This podcast is for information purposes only. Nothing should be taken as professional or medical advice or opinion. Please consult your mental health or primary care provider for professional advice. All names and details have been changed to protect the submitter's identity. If you are experiencing an emergency, please dial 911 immediately. you are listening to the How Can I Help You podcast. I'm Rebecca Pitney and I'm a social worker. I answer questions from people and from real life using my experience as a social worker working with individuals and families in crisis. If you have a question, you can email me at howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com or you can submit a question on my website howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. This week, we have a question from a listener who I will call Jordan. And remember, I do change all the names and situations to protect privacy of the submitter. Jordan says she or he is age 23, and their question is, Hi, I have a question about interacting with my mental health care provider. I have been going to therapy for a little under a year. I have struggled with mental illness most of my life, along with some learning disabilities. I really like my therapist, but I have one specific problem. I was recently diagnosed with a personality disorder. While I don't think this is necessarily wrong, I'm not sure it's totally right either. I think there may be something else or at least additional going on. How do I handle this? This is a really good question, Jordan. Thank you so much for writing in. First of all, I'm really sorry that you've been struggling with mental illness for most of your life. That is a really tough thing for a child and a young adult to live with, but I am really proud of you for seeking help from a therapist that you like. I'm wondering what type of therapist you're seeing. When people say that they're seeing a therapist, this could mean a licensed social worker like me, a chemical dependency counselor, a marriage and family therapist, a licensed professional counselor, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Now, different states have different licensure requirements for what these professionals are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And each of these types of mental health professionals are trained a little bit differently. So it's really important that you're aware of what kind of expertise your therapist has. It's okay to ask someone how much experience they've had working with your age group, your family structure, or your condition. For instance, there are some therapists that mainly work with couples or young adults, and some therapists just work with children. And then some therapists work in special fields of practice, like oncology or the school system. I had a professor in college that knew sign language, and she had a specialty of working with people in the deaf community because she had a special understanding of that community, for instance. So in your situation where you've had mental illness for most of your life, you really want to be seeing somebody with a strong background in mental health. Also, if you're on any kind of medication, your practitioner should be very familiar with the latest medications available or be able to prescribe medications which would only be a psychiatrist who is a medical doctor or a psychiatric nurse practitioner. One word of caution here that I want everybody to really hear 
is that you do want to be going to somebody who is licensed by your state. That means that the person is practicing according to the ethical and professional standards determined by the state board of licensing. There are some people who work as coaches or counselors who are not licensed and they're not held to the same standards of ethics and competency and they're not accountable to any professional board either. So I would really steer clear of those types of situations. It's okay to kind of interview your therapist when you first go to see them and ask them how long they've been in practice, what their specialty is, and what their theory of practice is because they do have to be a good fit for you as well as being competent in the area of practice that relates to your issue. The reason why you need to find a therapist that's a good fit for you is that you want to be able to develop a therapeutic relationship with your therapist. A therapeutic relationship is what we mental health professionals call it when the client and the counselor eventually get to a place where there is a rapport and a trust between the two of them. There has to be a mutual understanding between the professional and the client that they are on the same team and that they're both working towards the client's best interest and that the professional will maintain a healthy distance and confidentiality while really seeking to learn and listen and understand the client's point of view. So seeing somebody that you can relate to is really important for developing that therapeutic relationship. Now let's talk about the process of being in therapy or in treatment. First, few basic things. Think about this. You, as the client, you cannot see yourself the way other people see you. You see yourself from the inside of your head. You're looking out of your own eyeballs, right? You may not realize how your patterns of behavior and your way of interacting in this world with other people feels and appears to the people around you. So your therapist, their job is to stand outside of you and watch you and then let you know how you appear from the outside. We call this process of learning to understand how people see and experience us gaining insight. You gain insight into your own self when you're able to learn this. It's a little like when you see a picture of yourself and you're surprised by what you really look like. Have you ever had that experience? Um, I'm having that experience a lot these days because I'm not as young or as thin as I used to be. And I see a picture of myself and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't realize I looked like that. What was I thinking when I wore that, right? I thought I looked cute in that dress. So the picture shows you how you look from the outside. But how can you see how you're making people feel? And how do you know what people are thinking about you? You can't take a picture of other people's thoughts and feelings or transport yourself into their mind. So you must rely on somebody else to tell you. And that other person needs to be able to present you with an honest and a clear and in focus and correct picture, right? Of how your behavior is affecting other people or how you look from the outside. And I'm not saying it's always negative. Sometimes it's not a negative 
picture, right? Some people with low self-esteem, they may think less of themselves than what the truth is. So they may need to hear the truth from another person who's standing outside of themselves to tell them that they are thinking too little of themselves, right? But the key thing is that the other person cannot have their own agenda. They need to be able to be objective so that they can give the client the truth. So they're not seeking any sort of approval from you or you know they don't have um, a conflict of interest. So they can be objective. That's the therapist's job. Your therapist might also point out some facts that you were not aware of before about yourself or help you see the big picture or challenge a belief that you hold um, that might be false or they may tell you how your behavior makes other people feel. And these are all part of the learning and the growing process of therapy. But to be able to hear this information as a client and allow it to impact your view of yourself and ultimately how you interact with others and behave, you must believe it. You must trust your counselor or your therapist that they're telling you the truth. So a trusting therapeutic relationship is key to this process. This is because it is inevitable that you will have an initial reaction. Okay, hear me here. You will have an initial reaction of disbelief and defensiveness when somebody tells you something about yourself that you were unaware of. It's natural and normal to immediately think, well, that's wrong when you hear a thought that doesn't fit with your beliefs about yourself. You might feel the same way in therapy as you do when you look at a photo of yourself and you're like, is that really me? I didn't think I was like that. And in therapy, we call this resistance. That's the term that we use for this feeling. And this is actually part of the process. In fact, if you think about it, it's kind of your therapist's job to bring up things about yourself that you were not aware of or that you were in denial about or that you forgot about or maybe lost sight of. So when your therapist tells you something about your behavior patterns, you probably won't agree with them at first because you were behaving in a way that made sense to you in your own mind. But unfortunately, as we talked about before, you can't see yourself from the outside and you can't always be completely aware of how you affect other people. So even if you disagree with your therapist, it's really important during the process that you remind yourself that you can still learn from them. So hang on through that resistance phase. Have an open mind. Think about it for a week and then go back in and talk it over. If your therapist is good, you will learn something. I promise. So Jordan, getting back to your question, I would first ask you if you have a trusting and mutually respectful relationship with your therapist. And if you do, I would urge you not to succumb to your first instinct to resist what you hear when they're telling you news about a difficult diagnosis. Take a breath, pause, think about it for a minute. Can you see what your therapist is seeing? Ask them why they think that you have this particular disorder. Can you follow their logic? Could it be that they're seeing something about you that you were not aware of? These are all really good questions to ask yourself and to consider. Now, Jordan, here's the other thing to remember. 
The field of mental health and psychiatry is an academically rigorous and fascinating field of study, and we've come a really long way in understanding and treating people with thought, mood, and personality disorders. However, the way that we diagnose people in this field is by observing their behavior and then categorizing people into groups based on common features. Because as of yet, as far as I know, there's no way of looking into someone's brain and measuring the amount of depression that they're feeling or anxiety in their brain, for instance. So the clinician relies on observing the client's behavior over time and listening to the client's report and sometimes the client's family or teachers or other professionals that are working with the client of how they are experiencing the symptoms to place the client and the person's symptoms in a diagnostic category. So what does this mean? It means that your therapist has observed patterns of behavior in you that line up with a diagnostic list of features for a certain condition. But in my experience, it is very rare for a client to perfectly match up with a certain list of diagnostic criteria, right? Because people are very complex and they may show traits of several disorders or they may show some traits but not all of another one or they may present slightly differently at different stages in their life. They may also show a lot of improvement with social support or their behaviors may have different meanings in different social or cultural contexts. Human behavior is by nature unpredictable, so it's hard to really definitively put people into these diagnostic criteria boxes and say, you have label A or B. Now, Jordan, you say that you're diagnosed with a personality disorder, and this group of disorders are patterns of behaviors and thoughts that are maladaptive, odd, abnormal, disruptive, and lead to distress or impairment in your life. They're not thought to be chemical imbalances that can be treated with medication, but rather they are maladaptive responses to stress. That's, that's what we think they are. And many people have traits of these disorders without having the full-blown condition and are still able to function fairly well. But for some people, their maladaptive pattern of being in the world is fixed because they lack insight or they lack empathy or they lack the willingness to change. Jordan, you say that you don't know if the diagnosis is exactly right or if there might be something else going on in addition to this going on with you. And you may be absolutely correct because your therapist is not omniscient and has not observed your behavior for your entire life. And they're making a judgment call based on what they are observing about you right now. But even if the diagnosis is tweaked a little or changed to something else eventually, the treatment process and the therapeutic relationship can still be beneficial to you. Now, this may not be true for physical medical conditions like heart disease or diabetes, but for mental health, the power of the therapeutic relationship can be healing and helpful, even if you don't fit neatly into a diagnostic category. One of the main goals of therapy, as we discussed before, is to increase the client's insight. Okay, now this is tricky, but try to follow me here. If you're able to participate in therapy with an open mind, develop a trusting relationship with your therapist, consider what they're telling you, 
and develop insight into your own behavior, then that's half the battle. Because those are the skills that you need to develop healthy interpersonal relationships and a truthful and beneficial way of negotiating the world, right? So being an active and thoughtful participant in therapy and in the therapeutic relationship is helping you to build those skills and behavior patterns that then will translate into real life. So this is where the cliche, trust the process comes from. The process is that you slowly develop the relationship with the therapist to where the therapist gets to know your behavioral patterns and can comment on what they observe and you can hear it without defensiveness. This is the hard work of therapy. It's not easy to get to this point with another human being and it takes time and it takes skill. But just going through the process is beneficial. And then you get to the issues. Remember, there is no change without resistance. You have to put in hard work, you have to apply energy, and it's not comfortable. Growing and learning is not easy. However, the only alternative is to remain stuck with your issues. And you sought out therapy to change, right? To get help. This is the way that you have to do it. So Jordan, from the small amount of information that I can infer from your question, my opinion is that you're in the right spot. Yes, question your therapist, but use your questions as a way to obtain greater understanding about how your behavior affects the other humans around you. Ask yourself, what can I learn here? What can I learn now from this information? Is there something of value in this process that can help, even if I don't fit exactly into a certain diagnostic category? Even if I don't agree with my therapist? Even if what they're telling me is challenging my beliefs that I've held for a very long time? How can I use this time with my therapist to understand something that I was not aware of before? Don't be afraid of the answers. Don't be afraid of the discomfort. Trust the process. Work through it. Well, I'm thinking of you, Jordan, and I'm really proud of you. Please write me back if you have any follow-up comments or if this was helpful at all. I'd love to know how your next appointment with your therapist went. Remember, my email is howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com and my website is howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. And if you have a comment or a question like Jordan did, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and have a good day.